right, it looks like we are live. Uh, Mike. What, we're live? What? Yes. Why don't you tell me these things? <laughs> uh, hey guys, this is Brad and Mike ah. from Dallas Geek. And if you saw our last stream, or if you actually read the description of this stream. People still read? Uh, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, then you will know that we are back for yet another Marvel movie review. This time we're going to be talking about Marvel's Phase 2 movies. Mike? Brad? What do we think about them? Meh. Meh? Meh. Fair. I wouldn't say any of them are trash. I wouldn't <laughs> say any of them are... Uh-huh. Well, no, there's one that I would say is absolutely amazing, but... Oh, yeah. No, there's absolutely one that uh, would be amazing. Yeah. So, um... Possibly two. Yeah? Yeah. One of them's close to the amazing scale. Okay. Well, um... Then let's go ahead and get started. Uh, by the way, uh, really quickly, for those of you who are joining us for the first time... Uh, for those... So I guess people can't see us on YouTube. Uh, YouTube seems to be having some issues with us. We'll figure it out no. oh my gosh okay so um for the try number two one of you <laughs> that are still here uh sorry uh, our apparently our stream was having some technical issues and youtube decided that it did not want to like us today i just want to point uh, out something really funny really quick for the last like five minutes, Brad couldn't figure out why we weren't live. And then all of a sudden, as I'm on my phone, just playing around wasting time, I hear Brad say, oh, I've got to hit the go live button. <laughs> so that's a thing. Uh, anyway, um, yes, for the, the one person. Hi, Mom. <laughs> I, I must work with uh, that's actually watching. Uh, thanks for actually sticking around. Um, Y'all. Who apologizes? I do. There you go. I apologize. Um, we're having some technical issues today, but we're going to push past because we're determined. Anyway. Are we? <laughs> I'm determined at this point. Okay, that's fair. But yeah, so to get on with it, um, if you're watching this now or, well, obviously not now, but uh, later after Oh my gosh, the the internet does not want to uh, abide us. Today. How are we credited press for anything that we do? <laughs> Don't say it out loud. <laughs> they might know. <laughs> for those of you who are going to be watching later, I haven't laughed like that in a long time. Thank you. Hopefully, <laughs> um, thank you all for joining us. Yes. Um, and if this is the first time that you've actually seen one of our videos. We swear it usually works better than this. No, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it never does. <laughs> but, um, please, if you're not already following us, be sure to like and uh, follow. We are... Is that button down here? Is it over here? <laughs> is it... It's somewhere, depending on where you're watching us. Um, we, Like I said, we swear it's usually more organized than this and Sometimes. fewer technical difficulties. Sometimes. Anyway, uh, so today uh, we are going to be getting on with our Marvel Phase 2 review. Uh, for those of you that saw our live stream last time, 
we did our full phase one review where we gave all of our thoughts on uh, how this whole franchise started and where it's come since then mm -hmm. and now we're going to be looking at the middle section the part that some people tend to forget about um, others tend to love certain parts and, and we are kind of overlook. divided over yeah. uh, opinions on it so let's get to it sure what well, Are we going in order or do you want to go out of order? Let's go in order. You sure? Because my entire well. morning is screwed up. <laughs> let's just see what happens. All right. um, so the start of uh, phase two, Iron Man 3. Mm -hmm. uh, eh. Yeah. That's, Honestly. That's a really good way to describe this movie. Is, yeah. Eh. It's there. Some good ideas. It's Some a movie. Not so good ideas. It had Iron Man in it. Uh, it recycled the plot of my favorite Pixar movie, The Incredibles. <laughs> I keep forgetting that uh, that was a it's, thing. It's live action yeah, Incredibles. Yeah, it, it's true. Yep. <sighs> Yay. I mean, I didn't really have anything else to contribute to you. Uh, well, yeah, so... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You had uh, a... You, you had the villain... Uh, that was played by Sir Ben Kingsley. <laughs> I'm gonna go with the one that was should have been the proper villain, Sir oh. Ben Kingsley, uh, who is actually a genuinely good actor, um, who's done some amazing things, and yet in this movie... I'm trying to say the Guy Pierce isn't a good actor? By comparison to Ben Kingsley? Alright, yeah, fair. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. This was a rough one, because... Ben Kingsley should have been the real villain, but spoilers, he wasn't. Uh, he was the uh, the fall guy, um, and that was such a waste of a good actor. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that he had fun on uh, set, but honestly, when you have a guy that can do so many things, and honestly can even play a great villain, um, and you just waste him like that, that it's just a disappointing way to go about the movie. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot of cool stuff. We got Iron Patriot. Um, sure, I guess. Really? They could have done it better. Well, I mean, yeah, but there's a lot of stuff that could have been done better. Let's, I mean, do we want to talk about the entire DC expanded universe? In terms of what could have been done better? We're not talking about them this week. Yeah, we do need to talk about that, though. Um, because like plot details leaked about what Justice League Two would have been. Did you see that? No. Yeah, we'll talk but, about that later. Anyway, um, but yeah, no, like you said, there was the blueprints were there for a really good film, and then like halfway through the movie, they were like, eh, we're going over here. So one of the like, hey, hey, you guys like this neighborhood over here? Yeah, and we're about to make a left turn. So one of the big issues I actually had with it, and I know you didn't, but it just bugged me, was the kid. The kid was fine. Honestly, I didn't. I thought that whole part of the story, while it was meant to humanize. Uh, Robot boy? Yeah, I mean, it was meant to humanize uh, the issues that Tony Stark was having by giving the daddy a, issues. a sympathetic yes. character to uh, interact with. Right. I get it. I just don't think it was necessary, and I think. That whole section was a waste of time. I think they could have done the same idea with existing characters um, in a better way. In fact, I actually think that they could have done the same thing 
with Rhodey and just developed their relationship even more without having to add this whole extra kid into the mix. Yeah, but it tackled the daddy issues. Kind of, but I think that the daddy issues that he was experiencing could have been just as easily explored through conversations with him and his best friend. I think it was very doable and I think it would have made the events that happened with Rhodey during Civil War mean that much more if we could have gotten more time to connect with him. Spoilers, you're jumping ahead. Yeah, everybody's seen it at this point. Hopefully. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I, I, I think it would have been better for the character. Yeah. I don't think that the kid was necessary. Eh, like I said, I didn't mind it. I mean, they they brought him back for like a half-second cameo in one more movie. But that was actually really cool. It was a cool idea, I, but once again, if the kid wasn't there, it wouldn't have been necessary. And I don't think it, that whole section of the movie was a good addition. I think it was a waste of the movie. Yeah. I think Shane Black really missed on that one. I mean, there's a couple things that he missed on in that film, but, you know. He misused Guy Pierce. He misused Ben Kingsley. I mean... Did we really need to see Guy Pierce look like um, Jim Carrey at the beginning of... Uh, <laughs> I had blocked that Batman out. Batman Forever. I had blocked that out of my mind. Thanks Did for, we really need to see that? Thank you for bringing that back up. I do appreciate that. Um, huh. Anyway, so yeah, overall, well, Iron Man 3 yeah. was just disappointing. Uh, there were some good ideas there, but terrible execution. Um, I'm going to say a franchise yeah. that started as a firework ended as a... And then we okay. had Thor the Dark World. You, you want to talk about going from one dud to another? No, but I think we have to, right? Unfortunately, so when Thor the Dark World came around, it's like Marvel and the director uh, for uh, Thor the Dark World, Alan, uh, Taylor. Alan Taylor, saw the original Thor, saw that it was a fairly even balance between comedy and serious acting, and said, you know what was great about the original Thor? When they took themselves really, really seriously. Because what should be more serious in tone than a movie about a realistic version of mythological gods? I mean, that's what comes to mind when I think of it. It's not what comes to mind when you think of it. I think that's supposed to be a hilarious idea. Hmm. I, I mean... Any time when any mythological god has been brought to screen, Greek, Norse, whatever, right. the best versions were always when there was a little less seriousness added to the mix. When there was a lot of humor added in, it became amazing. Wonder Woman was pretty serious. Yeah, but the versions of the gods... Can you really say that was a serious interpretation there? Eh. I couldn't take them seriously, but that was me. Anyway, uh, no, I, yeah, I just, I think they come no, I got what was good about Well, the yeah, world. and then you gotta remember, Alan Taylor came from the world of directing, like, Sopranos episodes and Game of Thrones, so they very much were like, oh, let's, we've got our Swords and Sorcery franchise, let's give it to the Game of Thrones guy. And so they, like you said, they kind of lost focus on 
what made the character and what made the previous movie so good. Yeah, they, they went oh, with a director that didn't understand long-form storytelling. No. And that's a problem, because long-form storytelling is a very different directorial method than TV. You can't approach them the same way. We did, however, get our first introduction to a proper Infinity Stone. Yeah, for what it was worth. Yeah. So, I mean, there were, there were story bits that did carry over, so much so that in Endgame, well... Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for now. Yeah, we can't really get too deep on uh, what that was. But honestly... Right. <sighs> but they basically doubled down on it in that movie. Yeah. They were like, oh, you guys hated Thor The Dark World? Cool, here's more of it. <laughs> but at least when they brought it back, they made it more comedic. They That's understood yeah. what it should have been. Well, and then you also got that really serious moment. Which, once again played to the strengths of the actors. Right. Because nothing about Thor The Dark World played to the strengths of the actors. Mm. Nothing. Mm. I mean, you had Rene Russo, you had Natalie Portman, and um, Anthony... Uh... Seriously? I need coffee. Seriously. I need coffee. Seriously. Anthony Hopkins. Thank you. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, three. Me six. I know three amazing dramatic actors. Not that you can't remember the names of one of them, but you know. And even the uh, when you're making this a more dramatic version of Thor, you couldn't even use them right. That's hard. Like that is a hard thing to screw up, and they screwed it up. I don't know. I I just I don't. Yeah, there's I don't see anything redeemable about. Or the Dark World. It had elements that were necessary to the franchise. I don't see it as a redeemable movie. Jesus, man, it's not. Compared to the franchise. It's not Man of Steel. Calm compared down. Compared to the franchise. It's not Man of Steel. Calm down. It's not Batman v Superman. It's fine. Everything's okay. Anyway, on to one that's actually good. I know. It's so good. <laughs> it's Which so was? Good. It's Captain America the Winter Soldier. One of my personal favorites. Yes. Um. No, God, this movie was so good. Like, so... Oh, God, I, I, I can't even coherently... Mm. It did justice to multiple characters that needed more attention in a deeper character-building way. Some of the best fight scenes up to that point. Yeah. Some of the best storytelling up to the When level. they throw down at the end of the second act, and they're just going hand-to-hand. -hand. Oh, it's so awesome. When he pulls the knife out and flips it, and then flips it to his other hand, like mid-fight, I was like, Oh my god, this is incredible! <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, one of my favorite... <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is, Anna. Uh, and honestly, one of my favorite bits about the movie, before the big reveal of the villain, although for those of us that actually pay attention to the comics, it wasn't exactly a reveal, but... Which villain? The, uh, Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. The identity of the villain. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before that, uh, one of my favorite bits of the movie, I actually spoiled honestly, for, like, half of my friends during the Thor The Dark World. Well. During, they showed the trailer, and they're like, who's playing that character? I was like, the same person that played him in the first movie? Like, wait, he's in the first movie? I was like, yeah, it's... And they're like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, right, you guys don't... Read comics. You guys don't comic book. Yeah. Right. But no, Sorry, the... Sorry, guys. <laughs> 
One of my favorite bits of the movie, honestly, was uh, the interaction between Cap and Black Widow. Because I think of all the movies short of Endgame, uh, it was some of the best character development that she, she got. Had. Yeah. And it showed some of the best character interaction between Cap and another character of any movie was between those two. Right. And they're such polar opposites. And it worked so well. Like, I, I he think is it was literally fantastic. no gray area whatsoever. Yeah. There's right, there's wrong, there's nothing in between. She effing lives in the gray area. Yeah. And it's like the two of them playing off of each other and kind of being on the run and being hunted was a really cool dynamic. Like, yeah. so much, like, even the scene where they're in the car and she's like, where'd you learn to steal a car? He's like, Nazi Germany, and we're not stealing it, so take your feet off the dashboard. <laughs> like, it's stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Where, it like, was, it was great. Their personalities get to play off of each other so much so that, like, they bring out the best in each other. In, and then you had the introduction of Falcon, which was really cool. Yeah. Uh, that, of all the characters, all the actors that have been brought into the franchise, I think I think he was one of the best choices. Papa because Doc. he... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in general, he his personality in the movies and outside of the I movies, he just... He fits so well for the public appeal. Like, any interview that I've ever seen with Anthony Mackie, he just, he is the life of the interview. Yes, he is. No matter who so else is in fun. there, he's amazing, and I think he was an absolutely necessary addition to the franchise. Well, then, like, even that, too, it's like, everything about this movie screamed, like, disaster. Potential disaster. Right, like, rookie directors, a character that nobody really necessarily... A lot of people love the character. I love the character. Yeah. A lot of the casual fans look at him too boring, too plain, too all of these things. Doesn't fit. Like, how are you going to make a modern Captain America film? True. And and there you go. Like, literally the best film of an entire phase. They made it a spy movie. Yep. They were basically like, how are we going to do it? We're going to make it a spy movie. Yep espionage and twists and turns and you don't know who to trust and you don't know where this is going you're just like this is effing incredible yeah you know, it, it was a fantastic option um and th that was the other thing about it it was the first movie within the franchise that well second movie but the first that solidified the idea that it was possible to do a superhero movie that was a different, a different genre, right. but was still a superhero, superhero movie. movie. Um, right. And like that mattered so much to the rest of the genre as a whole, because by having Marvel prove that it was possible, yeah. it meant that so much more could be explored with how they tell these stories. Absolutely. And that was, that was a great addition so. that I don't think the Russos get enough credit. Absolutely for. not. Because and without and, that, and Logan Marcus would and never have been a thing. Yeah. Without uh, Winter Soldier, um, honestly, most of the superhero movies that exist since uh, the Winter Soldier probably would well, not like, have been able to be what they are. Like even look at it from like Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. This was the I think this was their second film because I think they both wrote uh, First Avenger together. Hmm. But, like, look at what this movie did for all of those four guys. True. So, like, now you have the Russos basically writing and producing stuff all over the place. You have Marcus and McFeely that have basically been tapped, like, every big event movie up until 
or I'm sorry, not up until uh, up after Age of Ultron, they've been given. Yep. And it's like, and then the Russos did Infinity War and Endgame after the fallout with Joss, which we still don't know what actually would have happened. We'll get to that. But like this one movie basically put so much faith in all four of these people that Marvel yeah. was like, yeah, we're writing with you guys from here on out. Yeah, no, it it was a great, great time for Marvel Studios. Um, and then, because they couldn't be okay with just one success for Phase 2, they came out swinging with another success, which was just as big of a risk creatively. Absolutely. It might have been if the, not more. It might have been the biggest creative risk they had taken up to that point. Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. I think Guardians is still one that is a unique addition to the franchise because there are so many people that I've met that they watch Marvel movies, sort of. Yeah. They keep up with the ones that appeal to them from the trailer, right. uh, mostly. Right. But even then, almost every one of them says that they saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. like Even if they don't pay attention to any others, Guardians is the one that is consistently, yeah, I saw that. And I so don't, like Guardians was the I one. I can't explain why it has such mass appeal compared to the rest of the franchise. Guardians was literally like, so one of these characters is a talking raccoon. Mm. The other one is a tree. They can only say his name. The lead for this is the chubby dude from Parks and Rec. The other lead is a professional wrestler, and then Zoe Saldana, who was really like the only one that had proven. Yeah. But like even then, like Bradley Cooper was doing the voice of Rocket, but like it was it was a talking raccoon. Yeah. Every everybody saw that as like what is this Roger <laughs> Rabbit now? Because like we get that Marvel can do a lot of cool things, but. Really? Like, like this This yeah. came so far out of left field compared, especially the tone that it took following Winter Soldier. The hyperly, like, the overly... Happy and uh, yes. funny and honestly at times sweet. Um, yes. Like, you, you went from... The a movie ends with a dance-off. Like, you went with, uh, from a movie that was very much this is for adults to a movie that this is for the whole family. Yes. Like... Within the spectrum of possible follow-ups, this was not what most people were expecting. No. But it's turned out to be what everybody wanted. Yes. And nobody realized it. No. <laughs> I mean, clearly Marvel realized it. Yes. But... but this was also another case of Marvel being like, oh, okay, we're going to take these characters that nobody really knows about. Yeah. Oh, James Gunn, here you go. Go have fun. Go play with them. Yeah. Go do what you want. Which, $800 million later. Yeah, which, I mean, as you brought up earlier, uh, and I had forgotten, you and I disagreed with James Gunn's ability to handle the movie uh, from the start. I love Slither. And I, I thought Slither's whatever. Plus, James Gunn wrote Scooby-Doo. Which I loved. Brad did not. Because it's, Brad's an awful person. I love Scooby-Doo. Don't be like cartoon, Brad. So do I. But... Scooby-Doo the movie. Matthew Lillard was amazing. Yes. Yes. But to get to him, you had to put up with all the rest. I'm okay with that. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Sarah Michelle Gellar. 
Linda Cardellini? It just, yeah. I don't, I don't think it was that great. I think it was pretty rough. I think you're rough. I know. Okay. What are we talking about? We just finished Guardians. Yes. Age of Ultron. So, Age of Ultron. Uh, the one that, the movie that literally broke Joss Whedon. And broke the, uh, the whole Disney's going to get to have any say in Marvel moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> This is the movie that had the most micromanaging from Disney, yep. and it shows. Like, if you go back and oh you rewatch it, gosh, and it the movie's not bad. The movie's not bad. No, there's there's a lot going on, and unfortunately, it's a lot going on in that you're setting up stuff down the future, or down the future. You're setting up stuff in the future at the sacrifice of the present. It was Disney taking notes from the DCEU a year before Batman v Superman was released. Well, so like, yeah, it, it's so funny because like in Age of Ultron, you literally had Ultron. Uh-huh. You had the final revelation of what was essentially going on behind the scenes with the Infinity Stones. But like to get to that, literally what you had to do is you had to send Thor off to do like some spirit quest. While that's going on, they're fighting Ultron. They're creating Vision. Yep. It's finally revealed that the thing inside Loki's scepter is actually the Mind Stone. Mm-hmm. So, you have the introduction of the Maximoff twins, which that one was actually pretty smooth, now that I think about it. Yeah, that one, I was okay with. But, like, it's... <laughs> you have the introduction of Hawkeye's family, which, again, still pretty smooth. Yep. But just so much going on, and like I said, half of it's going this way, half of it's going this way. So at what point is it like we're, at what point is it we're, what we're setting up in the future is taking precedent over what's happening currently? Yeah, this one was a bit uh, rough. Yeah. Like I said, there's a lot of good stuff in there, but you can tell most of Chris Hemsworth's stuff was set up for the future and right. he was completely underutilized for the movie. Right. Except for when he shows back up and they beat the hell out of the Ultron robots at the end of the movie. Yep. But like, I know a lot of people were upset that essentially Ultron was used as a stepping stone, which he was, because it's a classic villain. Yep. Um, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you can tell clearly Joss had an idea of what he wanted to do. And then it didn't happen. Some of it happened. He got to play around with a couple of the characters that he really wanted to play around with. He got to finally redeem Hawkeye after first Avenger, after the first Avengers. Which was good, because right. that, uh, that was clearly his contribution. He got to play around with uh, with Scarlet Witch, yep. who he's a big fan of. Yep. And it shows in that scene where she comes literally, Hawkeye gives her the pep talk, and she comes out and just starts beating the hell out of everything in her path. Um, like, Quicksilver got to have a lot of great... Stuff. Like he he developed the new characters Up really to well. A point. Well, yeah. Still kind of bummed about that one. I know. But it's kind of one of those where it's like his fingerprints were all over it, mm -hmm. and you could tell where he wanted to take it. But then, then you then could also didn't. tell where Disney was like, "Here's where you have to take some of the stuff." Yeah. Unfortunately. Hi, Heather. Um, like literally, so much so. <laughs> That after this movie and after Whedon left and after like everything came to light that Whedon was like Disney was micromanaging and this and that. It literally came down to cool. So 
nobody's ever going to tell Kevin what he can and can't do ever again. Mm -hmm. And basically, you ask us for money, we'll cut the check, you go make us more money. Yeah. Oh, and let's not forget the uh, the literal nervous breakdown that Joss Whedon experienced because of this movie. Mm -hmm. A man who, uh, the man who has been abused by Fox more than any other living human, and this is what broke him. No. That's not good. No. Like you don't want to be able to say that you caused that to this man. Like, come on, that yeah. that that takes a dude, it, next it level It is a shame, stress. dude, because it's a guy that's so passionate and so good yeah. at what he does. Like, the whole ensemble cast thing, he's fantastic at, and he's fantastic at fleshing characters out and giving each character their due. Yeah. And then, like, they just take a big dump all over him. They being Disney. Yeah. And honestly, even the choreography for the big fight at the end seemed lackluster because so much of it... Some of it did. Even if the choreography was good, the editing cut back and forth so often that it was hard to tell what the choreography really was. So I will say up to a point, yes, but there's that great scene where, it, and it's kind of the first scene, it's like the first scene in, or the scene in the first movie, rather, if I can talk, <laughs> where they're in the circle and the camera's panning around them as they're all getting ready to go, where they all fall back around the drill. Sure. And then the camera's going as they're literally all fighting and doing their thing or whatever. Like, that's one of the first times that I was ever really like, this is literally like, I flip open, and it's a splash page of just a whole bunch of shit happening. But then every bit of the fight after that just right. went back and, and forth and back and of, forth and yeah. back and forth and you didn't get a you didn't get context for what was happening as much as the I first agree, one gave you. But it still was like, oh wow, like this looks like a comic book. And that was I think was Disney's problem. Once they got a hold of the edit, yeah. they were trying too hard to make it look like a comic rather than let it flow properly. Right. Which is what Joss was able to do with the first, first one. one. He gave it the aesthetic and helped it flow. Right. There were still issues with the flow at points, but it was more cohesive then. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, although I, I'll be honest, any opportunity to get James Spader involved is good for I'm me. I'm okay with yeah. Um, yeah. I think that they could have done more with him. I think that they definitely could have built up Ultron a little bit more and let James Spader well, like I said, play was, with that villain. Like thing I said, this was better. Ultron but, was a stepping stone. Yeah, it, it, it could have. If they, yeah, if they, if they had done what Joss was wanting, they cut out all that other build, extra buildup that was unnecessary for other movies, right. and could have put more time in for character development and villain development. Ultron could have actually been good. Yeah. But as it was, the movie was okay. Yeah. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It was okay. It was but there. In it was context there. of all the Avengers movies, it's the weakest. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but it's clear why. Right. So then we have the surprise final addition to Phase 2, which. Like, everybody wasn't really expecting this to be considered part of Phase 2 since Phase 1 ended in Avengers. So Phase 2 should obviously end in Avengers. Turns out, no. It was Ant-Man. 
they ended in a comedy. So, Phase 2 had two comedies. Once again, Phase 1 had zero. Phase 2 had two. <laughs> Yet again, something that nobody was expecting. And it paid off. Yeah, Ant-Man was a surprise. Um, for a lot of reasons. When I was going back for uh, to get the trailer for Ant-Man, I, found, uh, I rem found out that I hadn't even realized there were two completely different tones of trailers for Ant-Man. The very first one took it as a serious superhero movie starring Paul Rudd, who can shrink. The second trailer and every other TV spot after that went more and more and more into the realm of this is a comedy. And so anybody that saw the first trailer and saw nothing else would have been walking into this movie completely baffled by what they were watching. Absolutely. <laughs> Holy like, crap. Completely, tonally different. And we... And yet, everybody loved it. We could have had an Edgar Wright comic <laughs> Other than Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. We could have had an Edgar Wright Marvel. I know, you still can't get past that part. Oh, I can't. I will never forget how I found out either. I didn't even know about it. Until like a week and a half after it happened. And like, it, that was that summer, it was one of the summers that I was lifeguarding at the pool and we're all sitting around and one of the, one of the other ones that's like a big movie fan, she was like, oh, what'd you think about Edgar Wright leaving Ant-Man? I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> She's like, yeah, it happened like a couple days ago. I was like, no. No, this isn't happening. No. No. Grab my phone. No. 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 Like Cleveland <laughs> about to fall out of his bathtub. In Family Guy. <laughs> like, oh my. Oh so that's a thing. The movie was fine, though. I liked it. Yeah. Had some serious moments. Didn't take itself too seriously in other points. Because it's a guy that can shrink and talk to ants. And it's Paul Rudd. Do love me some Paul Rudd. Clueless is one of my favorite movies. Although I'm... The one downside of the movie... And it had Evangeline Lilly. She's fun. Honestly, I can go either way with uh, whether or not uh, she's necessary for this movie. Or she is. It, it, movie, movies in general. She I think, is. I think she's better for a TV format. No, she is. But... It's okay. She was one of the surprisingly good spots of the Hobbit movie. There aren't many. The fact that you because can find anything redeemable about those movies is still I mean, surprising to me. Evangeline Lily with elf ears, yes. And running around with a bow, yes. I'm okay with this. Anyway. Um, Plus, I mean, at least the battle for I will, whatever the hell that town was at the beginning of the third one wasn't bad. I will go ahead... Sorry. Um, I will go ahead and just say this. Uh, I had a lot of issues with the... Villain... Be oh, uh, Yellow Jacket? Because yeah. I, I have to completely agree with the fact that this was absolutely a case of Marvel not doing much to develop their villain. Like, no, he I agree. could have been good. Like, there was a premise that was set up that had potential. Sure. They could have even gone, like, super cheesy with it to fit there the were tone. Points, well, there were points that it was. No, no, no. I mean, like, they could have just made him, like, super cheesy. Well, he's the villain that is the super greedy corporate Mongol scorned by his mentor. So, 
We have so, so many. So, so the Incredibles live action again. <laughs> I mean, we have so many templates for how that can work for like uh, just a cheesy B movie villain into it well. And they didn't take any of those lessons. But I don't and think use they did it bad. No, that's the thing. He was just there. He wasn't oh, yeah. good. He wasn't bad. He was just there. Yeah. They could have leaned into it so hard and gone super B-movie villain with him, and it would have been amazing. Yeah. Because it would have fit the tone. And yet they just let him kind of be. But there were some great moments in that film, though. No, like, especially with him, where like he, like you could just tell throughout the course of the film, he was getting more and more psychotic, like to the point where he goes to Cassie's Lang, Cassie Lang's room, and he's just standing, standing there, like menacingly over her, like that tone of voice that he takes. You're like, this guy might actually be insane. Although, and then you have the great scene where he hits him and he throws him into the flood, and he throws him into the bug zapper. Yeah. Although I'm gonna, uh, I, I, I have to. And then to, the Thomas the Train engine. I have to jump on the, uh, the, the bandwagon. The best part of the movie. Luis. I love Michael Pena so much. <laughs> I love Michael Pena so much. Yeah. No, like, I, there was, uh, the fact that, like, there was a petition that, like, <laughs> the start of Endgame, everybody wanted it to be Luis, like, recapping. <laughs> and apparently there is. Like, Kevin Feige said, there is a video of him recapping. And yet. It wasn't included, and it didn't even special. sound like they were going to be. It's going to be in the special features. It better it be. Because well, be. they're re-releasing Endgame in theaters right. to put in post-credit scenes. If they don't also include this special start, I'm going to be seriously disappointed. <sighs> be hilarious. Because that just absolutely. If hilarious. it is a thing that was made, it's necessary now more than ever. Absolutely. But oh, hey, I need it. You know. But yeah, Ant Man was. Who am I to tell Kevin Feige what to do? <laughs> Was anybody to tell Kevin Feige what to do? Jesus, definitely not like, my, uh, Disney. No God. No. Um, but I think when it comes to Ant Man, I think a good way to kind of look at Ant Man is after after Age of Ultron. Yep. And kind of the mess that that ended up being, and the mess that Ant Man could have been. He actually had a pretty decent flick. Yeah. That like didn't take itself too seriously. Was fun. But also was like, hey, it doesn't really tie into anything else. We're just going to kind of do something and have some fun with it. And then we can figure out where it fits later. Which that was actually another thing that Ant-Man contributed that was surprisingly necessary for the franchise. The franchise needed to be reminded, or at least the viewing public needed to be reminded, uh, as much as Disney did, that it was possible to add a movie to a phase of the MCU that didn't have to necessarily e extend right. the overarching story. It could be a standalone piece, just for the sake of the standalone piece, that would be incorporated later. Yeah. Like, that was okay, and Ant-Man was the movie that kind of reminded everybody that, wait, this was exactly what the entire first phase did, right. and it's still okay to do now. Now, they took parts of Ant-Man and made them super important later on. Which the quantum realm, was great. particles. Yeah, like, I'm okay with that, actually. Uh, in, in fact, that's actually how I would prefer it. If you have your one-off movie that is not necessarily tied into the rest of the franchise right. at first, 
and then you can come back later and point out, wait, so the reason why we brought this up in the one-off was because we intended to come back later and talk about it here or use it here. Like, that's good. That's called good storytelling. Go yeah. figure. Yeah. It's almost like they know what they're doing. Well, somebody did. Yeah. Praise be to Kevin. So yeah, that's pretty much phase two. Yeah. Um, technical difficulties and all with our review. Much like um, phase two. <laughs> Actually, now that you put it that way, yeah. it seems appropriate. Uh, I have one more once, what can I say? But, yeah, no, it, it was... Phase two was interesting. Uh, in my opinion, as a whole, phase two was the weakest of all the three phases so yeah. far um, because it had the most rough edges involved in the movies. Mm. Um, but you could also argue that it took the most creative risks. I think... Buddy Cop, Iron Man, Game I of think Thrones it had four. less than creative risks. I think it had more Disney risks. Like I think the if easy... you're gonna tell me that a movie based around a talking tree and a raccoon is not a creative risk, or a dude that shrinks, no, no, no. So Disney got a hold of the franchise right after Avengers. Mm -hmm. They saw what everything was for uh, there. I see what you're saying. Uh, to I continue saying. that progression would have been a risk for Disney. Right. And Disney, in their attempt to show that they were okay with that direction, right. leaned in a little bit too much of the wrong direction of that approval. Yeah. And they took risks that were risks to Disney that weren't necessarily risks to Marvel, and it didn't work out for either of them. Right. And it was only when it became a risk to Disney, but right in Marvel's wheelhouse right. that it became correct. And it took the, uh, Disney really until Ant-Man to fully understand the difference. Like, let's just give them their money and leave them the hell alone. Yeah, yeah, like, I honestly, the way it looked to me was that the first two movies in the phase were the risk to both of them, but where Disney was still trying to figure out how they were supposed to let Marvel do its thing. Right. Uh, they were still trying to do that with um, Winter Soldier, but it worked out, so they thought that they did it right. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy came in, they felt more comfortable with that territory, but oh, and the risks sorry. were more in the style of humor that was used. Yeah. But they figured it was okay, so they pushed forward, it succeeded as well, so then they came back and doubled down for Avengers, saying, well, clearly all the decisions we've made so far have been right, so we're gonna really trust ourselves on this one, yeah. and it failed completely. And so then Ant-Man came back after they stopped interfering with it, mm -hmm. and it worked out, so that by the time Phase 3 came around, there was a balance. Right. I, I, I think Phase 2 was a lot about Disney trying to find their comfort zone with Marvel. And it was just a lot of rough growing pains. And then they figured out that the comfort zone was to just let Marvel be Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, that's Good talk. pretty much Phase 2. Yeah. Uh, that's all I got. Yeah. yeah. So, um, if you're 
still watching at this point, thank you so much for that. We do appreciate it, especially if you're actually watching live. And your money is in the mail. <laughs> uh, we, we appreciate all of, uh, all of you. And uh, of course, uh, if this is the first time you're seeing one of our videos, please uh, don't forget to go down and like uh, or subscribe to our videos and check and out the next one. They usually go a lot smoother and a lot more coherently than this. Yeah, t uh, li like we said at the start, this is just a day of technical difficulties that actually weren't there during the trial run. We, we did a quick yeah. test earlier and it was great and yeah. then we went live and it wasn't. It hit the fan. Who it knew? Hit the fan big time. So there we go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, until next time. Actually, what are we talking about on our next live stream, Mike? Am I supposed to know this? We talked about it a few times. I don't, really, I don't really remember. I have slept since then. Spider Man! Spider Man. We're doing a retrospect of. Did we decide if it's all three franchises? We're, we're so talking far? all Spider-Man. So the Raimi trilogy, the Mark Webb, Amazing Spider-Man. If it's not a trilogy, what is it? The... Double-ology? Uh, Duo? Uh, yeah, the, the Amazing Spider-Man franchise. Um, and then Far From Home and Homecoming. I'm sorry, the Homecoming slash Far From Home. May even toss in some other options for Spider-Man just for kicks. Like the animated Spider-Man from the 90s, maybe? maybe? And the uh, the old, old uh, Spider-Man and his friends Japanese with the... live no, action. No, no we are not. <laughs> um, and then do we want to tell them about our planned 4th oh, they, of July? They can, uh, they can find out. We, are we, we do have something special planned for the 4th of July. We're seeing that, that day, right? When are we doing that? Okay, I'm just, that is the plan, right? What the? See ya. Okay. <laughs>